Alex Newman raises the curtain and shines a damning spotlight on the political elite and much more on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope to subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. My guest has more pertinent, cognizant knowledge in his head than a room full of elitist Marxist professors at, say, Harvard University. At least that's the way I see it. Ready to hear why I say that? Well, let's get into it. He's an award-winning international journalist, educator, author, speaker, investor, and consultant who seeks to glorify God in everything he does. And I say amen to that. He has traveled our nation and beyond speaking on critical subjects and has been interviewed on hundreds of local, state, national, and international radio and television programs, including many of America's top conservative talk shows. He's authored and co-authored several books. He's also written for a wide variety of publications in the United States and abroad, including currently serving as a contributor for the Epic Times, a correspondent for the Law Enforcement Intelligence Brief, as well as the foreign correspondent and senior editor for the New American Magazine. I welcome back to the show the founder and CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media, Inc., Mr. Alex Newman. Alex, how are you? Doing great. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to have you back, Alex. And I want to start with a quote here. Quote, Alex Newman is one of those people who has the clearest mind and the sharpest insight into what is happening to the United States and why of anybody I know. And that came from Dr. Alan Keyes, a former ambassador, United States ambassador, and a very bright guy himself. And uh, no joke, all facts. Uh, I listen in amazement at times when you effortlessly break down complex issues with simplicity. So, Alex, if I get a degree in journalism from the University of Florida, a degree in foreign languages from Miami-Dade College, study international relationships in France and live and work in eight countries, including Mexico, Switzerland, South Africa, Spain and Sweden, can I be like you? <laughs> I don't know that you'd want to be, but I appreciate it, brother. It's a, a very, very kind words. Thank you for um, for for that. And uh, you know, I, I didn't appreciate it at the time. It's true. As a kid, being dragged all over the world, I, I wasn't a big fan of constantly moving. And um, you know, I grew up mostly in Latin America, South America, and Brazil and Mexico. And, um, didn't really appreciate it and turned 18, didn't feel like coming back to the United States, decided I'd move to Africa, which, uh, you know, at the time seemed like a funny idea. Um, in retrospect, it was a very stupid idea, but also, you know, I learned a lot and, uh, you know, now I look back and, and I very much appreciate those opportunities. I think it does give me, um, some different perspectives on things. And, and I think one of the things that it taught me maybe more clearly than anything is that we do have something very special here in the United States. Uh, there's no other country like it. There's no other country founded on these principles. And I think a lot of Americans who haven't been blessed with the opportunity to 
see what, how the rest of the world lives and what the rest of the world looks like don't really understand that and don't really appreciate it. Um, and so, you know, I think that's one of the, the greatest takeaways that I've had just from having had the opportunity to see so many places and experience so many things is that we really have something very valuable here in the United States and it's worth fighting for. And it's not perfect. Um, you know, we, we can always strive for improvement and we should, but uh, these people that want to burn down our country, um, they, they really don't know what they're asking for. And I, I always recommend to people, especially the younger people that think uh, big government or even socialism is going to solve their problems. Like, Hey, I'll, I'll volunteer. I'll buy you a plane ticket to the uh, people's utopia of your choice and uh, spend six months there and come back. And then you can tell us all uh, how sorry you are and how thankful you are for the United States. And uh, nobody ever takes me up on it. So. Yeah, I understand your point. And I haven't been to all the places you've been, but I have been all through the Caribbean and I've been blessed to have been into a lot of places back when I was married. My former wife worked for Cunard Cruise Line and in Northwest Airlines. So we got a lot of vacations, took a lot of cruises. So I've been in Caracas, Venezuela. I've been in places in Mexico. I've been in French speaking islands. I've been in, you know, uh, Jamaica and all over, you know, the Caribbean in particular. And I understand exactly what you're saying. This was back in the 80s. And uh, you, it was interesting, like in places like Grenada, uh, where they'd have this great resort. But outside of the resort, the people are poor. They're, they're, they're coming up to you on the, you know, they, even in Caracas. I remember the first couple of times we went to Caracas. And this is before Madero. This is back in the 80s. And we're in Caracas. And Caracas was still a pretty good city. And they tell you, now, when you get off the ship, be careful, stay together with people because they, they're not going to try necessarily to take your wallet. They want the gold out of your teeth, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what? <laughs> no, and, and, uh, you know, as, as a, as a black conservative, which I always wasn't because I was a Democrat until I got born again in 1997, but as a black conservative, there've been so many black people who come up to me and say, United States sucks is this, that, and the other thing. And I'll tell them, well, look, you tell me where you want to go. And I just, I won't even just go for two weeks. And you're right. Why don't people get this? Because a lot of people have been a lot of places or is it just a brainwashing? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, there is a concerted effort, Gary, you and I both know this to take down our country. And part of that is turning people against our country. And a big part of that involves brainwashing. I mean, if you told people the truth that uh, America was founded on these biblical principles, that all men are created equal and that God endowed each of us with uh, unalienable rights and that this was a revolutionary moment in human history when finally we uh, created a government based on biblical principles that uh, every human has value, every human has dignity, um, you know, it, it'd be a very different response from people. Uh, and, and so they've really flipped history on its head. You know, slavery, for example, is, is now the big ways they're using to uh, to brainwash our children. And, uh, you know, we all recognize slavery was a terrible thing. But if they if they taught children the true history, um, I think all Americans would have a very different attitude, right? And the true history of slavery is a scourge has been with mankind from the beginning of time. It's been ubiquitous in virtually every culture and virtually every society throughout almost all of human history. Uh, and then along come these people and they say, well, you know, you know, the Bible doesn't uh, doesn't condone this and uh, we're not going to do that. We're actually going to start a, a government based on mm -hmm. the declaration that God created us equally and that God gave us each rights and the government has to protect those rights. Uh, and that set in motion a train of events that ultimately culminated in the abolishment of 
of at least legal slavery around the world. Um, you know, your average American today has no clue that you can still buy and sell slaves legally in Mauritania there until you go. 2007. You can still buy and sell slaves legally all across the Arabian Peninsula, uh, even 50 years ago, right? And, and it's still today in Libya, you can buy slaves at the slave market like it's nothing. Uh, and so when Americans learn the truth, they, they think very differently about this, but there is this concerted effort to take down our country. Uh, I think part of it is ignorance, part of it is indoctrination. And, and that's really good news because then there's a simple cure to this. Show people the truth, show people the facts, and um, you know, then attitudes change. Yeah, and I want to piggyback on that. And this is, I didn't even plan to go here, but I am because I'm a Bible student and a biblical student. And that what the insidious thing constitutionally that they did, and one of the hidden reasons behind the phony separation of church and state, and that, if you go look, that what that was about is no state can have, declare, no, no state can have a state religion. They can't make you Baptist. They can't make you Methodist. They can't make you Presbyterian, whatever. It was never to separate God from government. Okay, but the problem with separating God from government, the hidden fact is by getting God, by getting the Bible out of the schools, the workplace and the government, people don't understand the fall. They don't know what happened in the garden and they don't realize when Adam and Eve fell, everything fell completely. And what they don't understand is the fall of man makes us fallen People. In other words, we are not perfect people. And the problem that that creates, they're looking and saying, well, you did this or you did that or Alex did this or Gary did that or I even did this. And they're not and they're blaming this as, as if this is something that you're doing something that nobody else is doing. See, and what it's done, it's taken and the left has used this as a hammer to point at everything they see wrong with a Christian or a conservative and say, aha, you're a bad individual. You need to be silenced or destroyed while well, they're doing the same thing. But that's all right with us because we don't follow. We don't want to follow the Bible anyway. Yeah, that is a very good point, Gary. And uh, I, I think that's really where our country went wrong. And if you look at the history of the government school system, uh, it was created by men who who shared that view that you're describing. Right. Uh, the biblical view of man is that man is fallen, that man is born with a sin nature. Nature. Um, you know, we're, we're, that's in our nature. And then we, we go out and we voluntarily sin. And of course, this has catastrophic consequences. And that is the reality. Uh, and the Bible teaches this very clearly. In fact, uh, the Bible says that uh, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Um, and the founding fathers understood this. That's why they create. They were so determined to create checks and balances and separate power horizontally and vertically because they knew you don't want to trust a human being with sinful tendencies, with a desire to uh, do wrong. You don't want to trust them with power over their fellow man, at least if there's not checks and balances there. Um, and, and yet the people who created our public school system and the people who have shaped our culture now for multiple generations they take a very different view. Uh, if you go back to, for example, Robert Owen, the first guy to seriously propose government schools back in the early 1800s, you go to Horace Mann, the guy who first instituted the government schools in Massachusetts. Ooh. You go to John Dewey, the guy who's really known as the founding father of our public education system today. Every single one of them, in addition to rejecting God and the Bible, viewed mankind as essentially good. And the, the problem with man wasn't our sin nature. It wasn't our heart that was desperately wicked. It's that we didn't have the right kind of education. It's that we didn't have the right kind of government policies and the right social programs. Um, but it, it does go back to that fundamental question of what is human nature. Um, and, and I think the Bible provides the most accurate, in fact, the only 
completely accurate uh, understanding of what human nature is. And if you don't understand that, you're going to get everything else wrong. Right. And see, see, and people, how this manifests itself, you're saying, well, what does this have to do with the price of eggs? Here's what it has to do. If, if the, and by the way, Dewey and Horace Mann and everybody, of course, their educational government, educational system would be an educational system without God. Okay, so what ends up happening is that the imputed righteousness as a born again believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ paid for my sins. I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. My sins are forgiven and I have his imputed righteousness. What people have to understand is if you don't understand the fall that way and realize this is a condition of man, what they want to do is look at what was put in place and say, Instead of saying, hey, slavery was bad because people did it, but slavery was not written into our Constitution. In other words, our Constitution was written for a free society, okay? And the fact that we can't live up to that has nothing to do with that document. It has to do with the fall of mankind. And if you understand fallen man and that he's going to continue, at least here, try and we thought work to reach that utopia of what the constitution would want us to live up to, then you would understand that the left and the communists and the Marxists, they want to get rid of all the documents because if they can get rid of all the documents, they get rid of all the vestiges of everything that this country was founded on. Am I correct? That's exactly right. You're exactly right, Gary. It's a brilliant way to describe it. And that is what we're dealing with. And, you know, I, I very frequently, I almost feel like a broken record sometimes, but I very frequently go back to what Jesus Christ himself said. He's quoted in the Gospels twice, in Matthew and in Luke, mm-hmm. saying that whoever's not with me is against me. Against and me. so any kind of ideology, any kind of religious system, any kind of worldview that doesn't have Christ at the center of it is by definition, according to our King, uh, antichrist. And so all of these worldly ideas that are being taught to our children in the public schools, John Dewey is a really good example, right? Him and his buddies created the Humanist Manifesto. They thought they were coming up with this new religion and they were gonna use the public schools to proclaim and teach this new religion to children. Uh, You know, on on the surface, it looks kind of innovative, right? As well, man is his own God and you know, I'm God and you're God and we can decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. It's also kind of communism uh, masquerading as a religion. If you go read the Humanist Manifesto, I say we got to get rid of the profit motive. We've got to socialize the means of production, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's the same satanic lie that Adam and Eve heard in the garden. In the garden. Right? Has yeah. God said. Yeah. Ye shall be as mm-hmm. gods, God. right? Yeah. You get to be your own little God. You don't need mm-hmm. a real God. Uh, and, of course, this has very profound political implications as well. Uh, you know, our founding fathers said God gave you rights. Well, here come these uh, diabolical humanists saying, well, there is no God. So how can you have God-given rights? You have whatever privileges we think you should have. Uh, so ultimately, all these worldviews, including the ones that are being taught to our children, uh, are religious in nature, even if the people making them don't understand that. John Dewey did understand that to his credit. He called it a religious humanism. Uh, He understood this was a religion. But ultimately, they're all the same thing. They are anti-Christ. They are in opposition to Christ. Um, And, you know, the Founding Fathers did not intend that. If you go back and read the documents from that era, if you read their writings, I mean, go read the Federalist Papers. The Founding Fathers quoted the Bible more than any other source period, bar none. Uh, The other sources that they quoted, incidentally, also relied very heavily on the Bible. 
the most quoted legal scholar, for example, uh, Sir William Blackstone. Uh, he wrote uh, commentaries on the laws of England. Uh, I encourage people to go read this, right? Th- this is where the founding fathers were getting their legal ideas from. And, and Blackstone is very clear that the primary source of law in the world is God's law. All laws ultimately must be in accord with the Bible. If they're not, they are no laws at all. And he said God's law is binding over all people, over all nations, over all the earth throughout all time. And no law that is contrary to that has any validity. And so when people take the First Amendment, they say, well, that means you can't have a prayer. That means your children can't read the Bible. It's absolutely ludicrous. In fact, uh, when the First Amendment was written, um, most of the states had established churches. And, you know, I'm not going to argue for an established church. I, I've seen what happened in countries mm-hmm. that had that. It didn't end up well. I don't think that's what God intended. But the idea that they intended the First Amendment to prohibit God in government is ludicrous. God is the author of government. What they didn't want, and this is what Thomas Jefferson explained in the letter to the Danbury Baptist in Connecticut was we don't want the federal government imposing a denomination on the rest of the country. We don't want them charging taxes to pay for you know the Anglican church or the Lutheran church your religion should be your own personal deal and how you worship God, you know, that's based on your understanding of scripture. It's not the role of the government to come in and do that. But if you try to separate God's morality from government, you end up in the mess that we're in today where tens of millions of babies are being slaughtered, where our cities are burning down and falling apart. Uh, It's been an absolute disaster and we have to recognize that or there's no way to fix our country. It's just that simple. I understand what you're saying. And people, please understand it's about the Constitution. That Constitution protects us. They've got to get rid of it. That's why they're trying to say the founding fathers had slaves. This is that. So they they had slaves. So the document's wrong. This that. We got to get rid of it. It's all aimed at getting rid of the last vestiges of God out of here, because when that goes, communist rides in. State wants to be your daddy. Now, speaking of the state wanting to be your daddy. Uh, David Brooks of the New York Times wrote an incredible piece a couple weeks ago that was titled, What If We're the Bad Guys? It was an op-ed, and what he was talking about was the educated class that lives way up here and is forcing everybody else to live down there. And he was saying, you know, there's something going on here with these Trumpers and everything, because... We built a society for us. Highly educated parents go to elite school, marry each other, work at high paying professional jobs, pour enormous resources into our children, I'm quoting, who get into the same elite schools, marry each other and pass their exclusive class privileges down from generation to generations. The members of our class segregate ourselves in the few booming metropolis areas, San Francisco, D.C., Austin, and so on. We go to elite institutions that have become so politically progressive in big part because people in them want to feel good about themselves as they take part in systems that exclude and reject. It's easy to understand why people in the less educated class will conclude that they are under economic, political, cultural, and moral assault. And that's why they've rallied around Trump as their best warrior against the educated class. Are Trump supporters right that the indictments are just part of a political witch hunt? Of course not. We can condemn Trump, but... We got a problem here because how, if we don't stop behaving in the ways we're behaving, can we get rid of 
Trumpism along the masses. And I meditated and prayed on this. And and I'm telling you, God put on my heart, this is huge. That this is a big part of what we have here now, that the elitist class has grown in such a way, become so progressive, so controlling of so many things, Hollywood, the media, the evangelical churches, what they've infiltrated, you know, the, the, the wealth in the country and everything that they have created an elitist society that your, your everyday, you know, general mom, pop, you know, good, hardworking person, you know, can't compete against. And because they have so much power and so much influence, This is why all these bad things that we're looking at are getting worse and worse. I'd like you to unpack this and give me your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's he's trying to sugarcoat it for the elites that read the New York Times. Right? I shouldn't say the wannabe elites, the elitists. But hold, hold um, on, let me just ask you one question because obviously he's saying we don't want to change. It's almost like he's saying we have a problem here. Because this is why people are turning to Trump, because we are supporting us and Trump is supporting the people in the Constitution. Yep. Um, and, and of course, he's right on that. Right. Um, a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with Trump on everything, a lot of people who don't necessarily approve of his personality or the way he talks are rallying around him precisely because of what uh, this piece in the New York Slimes identifies. Uh, people feel like they're under assault and they are under assault. And uh, along comes a guy with billions of dollars who kind of comes out of that world who says, hey, you're under assault. I'm going to stick up for you. Uh, and people have rallied around that. So uh, it's good to see a little bit of self-reflection from the elite class. Now, I, I wouldn't trust this columnist. The, the New York Slimes wouldn't give him space if he was uh, a legitimate opponent of the um the elitist class. Oh, he's not. He says he's part of the class. Oh, of course. we're right. We're right. But what if, <laughs> right. What if we are the bad guy? You know what? What are we good? And it's almost like he's saying, look, tone it down, people. We got an election yep. coming up. Yep. And, and, uh, and I think at some point, some of these people have got to realize that you, you, you push people far enough and they're eventually going to come out with the torches and the pitchforks and they're going to come out and heat up the tar and break out the feathers. And, uh, you know, this is not going to end well for them. Uh, somebody's going to come along, whether it's Trump or somebody else, and rally the masses and they're going to come for us and we're not going to be safe in our fancy Manhattan penthouses. And, um, you know, and, and honestly, that's a very valid concern. If I was one of these elitists, I'd be very concerned. You know, I don't think that uh, violence would be an appropriate response, but you can only push people so far before people start saying, look, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. And, um, you know, Trump may end up being the least of their worries. If somebody comes along who rallies them maybe in a different way, uh, you know, they had better watch out. And so uh, I, I think this guy is being wise to kind of caution the elitists that, hey, you you can only push the American people so far before they're going to rise up and they're going to come after you. Um, you know, he, he's right in a lot of ways. Of course, he's, he's not right in the idea that they're right, uh, but he's right to have them uh, do some self-reflection because uh, the American people are under assault. They've realized they're under assault. Uh, of course, and the New York Times knows this, right? They've done the polling. They know that Americans don't believe the lying newspapers anymore. They know that the American people are sick and tired of the political class. The American people don't trust their institutions anymore. Um, even the, the last few institutions that did have the people's trust is that's rapidly eroding the military, right? The more they push this wokeness mm-hmm. on the military, the more people lose confidence in the military. Um, but I do think there's also a certain... 
sense in which the elitists want this. Uh, they want to discredit our institutions. They want to discredit our government and by extension, the constitution that created it so that eventually they can tear it all down and quote unquote, build back better. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot going on here and this is a very strange time. It's a very exciting time. It's also a very dangerous time. And I think uh, what we're seeing here in the New York slimes is um, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to these people realizing that uh, things cannot continue as they are. Yeah, I hear you. And, and you know, you the, the, the thing I want you to answer here along these lines with these people is I'm uh, th- I, this is why I wanted you to address this, because we don't read the New York slimes and the people that need to understand what's going on won't see that op ed. And the key thing to me was they go to the right schools, they marry the right people, they get the right jobs and they go and they control the right system. In other words, they are filtering their people through Harvard and all the academic schools or whatever, Cal Berkeley, wherever you want to go. And then they know they just come filter in to society to where they're in decision making positions, marrying the right people, as they would say, and controlling, you know, academia, controlling Hollywood, controlling uh, all these entities, unions, right, and, and all these entities to where they are making such inroads and we don't realize this is intentional. Yeah. And it is intentional. I mean, that, that's one of the key things to understand. A lot of people think uh, mistakenly that all of this is some kind of accident. And you see that in the public school system, the, the, the reigning view, even among conservatives who see the, the disaster, say, oh, well, uh, you know, what happened here? This must be some sort of freak accident. No, what's happening is has been planned. It's deliberate. Uh, we're watching the systematic controlled demolition of our country and our institutions. And uh, once you realize that this is all deliberate, once you realize that this is not the result of stupidity. Uh, You know, as our great uh, Secretary of War once said, um, if this were all merely stupidity, if this were all uh, an accident, occasionally they'd make a mistake in our favor, right? And yet they never do. It's always against us. And so uh, people need to see the patterns here. People need to see that there is uh, a very deliberate agenda here. This is not happening by accident. This is not the result of stupidity. This is cold. This is calculated. And as our founding father said in the declaration, uh, the, the end goal here is to reduce us to absolute slavery. If, if they are not stopped, they will impose total tyranny on us. That's their objective. And so we need to stand in the way and we need to stop that. I hear you. Alex, there's a question you need to answer because I, it's, it's reached a point I can't even watch people on TV to an extent. Okay. I don't know. Explain this one to me. If you like Trump or if you're a Republican, you are supporting the party of white supremacists. Never mind that they're wrong, that the white supremacy groups are on the left. But never mind. Let's just say for the main, they're saying, yeah, if you're supporting Trump or if you're if you're if you're a right winger, you're a racist. You're supporting white supremacy. Here's what I never understand. When you watch a show with a panel and there's a bunch of conservatives and one Democrat. Why is it the conservatives never say to the Democrat or force the Democrat 
to acknowledge that you're supporting the party where the communists are because the communists and Marxists and the socialists and all progressives are on your side. You know it. Your Democratic Party agenda lines up with what's on the Communist USA website. So if you're going to say, well, you're a racist because you're supporting somebody right on the right. Well, why don't we ever say, well, why are you a Democrat when you know that you're supporting communist agendas? Yeah, and, and, I never and, hear it. Never. Yeah. And to your point, the head of the Communist Party USA a few years ago, John Bachtel, actually wrote a column in People's World USA, which incidentally I subscribe to, where he says we're utilizing the Democratic Party to advance our objectives. Uh, but you know, on the broader point, this whole issue of white supremacy, it's an interesting question. What you find is virtually all of the prominent white supremacists have historically been aligned with the left, with the Democrat Party. Uh, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, um, you know, a- absolute vile racist, a eugenicist, a she didn't want uh, black Americans to come to the conclusion that they were trying to exterminate the Negro population is what she wrote in one of her letters. Um, I mean, and even in recent times, uh, um, Senator Robert Byrd, right? KKK Byrd. Klan Grand Wizard. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hillary Bill Clinton's guy. That's why right. all these guys just rally around uh, KKK leader. Could you imagine if the Republican Party had a KKK leader in Congress? Oh, my goodness. We'd never hear the end of it. And yet, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, a Christian cannot be a white supremacist. In fact, uh, it, it would be totally ludicrous because God created one human race, which he says repeatedly in the scriptures. Yet he divided mankind into nations, tribes, and tongues. He did not divide people into colors or races. Uh, he made one human race from Adam and Eve. And, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, for, for a Christian to be a racist is not possible. Uh, racism is a sin. And so to the extent that that exists, it needs to be uh, wiped out just like all other sins. But uh, really what we find is that the communists and the white supremacists have historically been associated with the Democrat Party, the left-wing movement. Uh, and this was even true of the communists back in the day. A lot of the communist uh, black Americans who joined the communist party, they came back and they said, oh my goodness, what I found out was that the communists were more racist than any American I ever met. Right. Right. So uh, it's just it's a total scam and Americans need to wake up to this. What they do and the communists have done this for 100 years is they accuse their opponents of what they themselves are doing. Uh, It's a very effective tactic, unfortunately. I hear you. Now, You were first graced my listeners back in February of 2022. And back then you talked about the failed government public school system was our number one problem. You talked about uh, critical race theories, Marxist parallels. You talked about something most people have no idea about, how the Federal Reserve currency dumping is a major reason for our inflation. And you talked about subversives within our government aiding the communist rise in China. I think people are starting to catch on to that. Where do we stand right now, right now, right here, right now? What is the number one issue that Americans should be concerned about? Um, you know, I, I would still say that uh, the education of our children, you know, if you're a Christian, God's got very clear instructions and vision for education, for discipleship. Uh, we cannot you know, to go back to the quote that I said earlier. Um, you know, you're either with Christ or you're against Christ and nobody, nobody can argue that the public schools are with Christ. And so uh, I think the main issue right now facing our country is that our children are being weaponized, they're being brainwashed, they're being sexualized, they're being indoctrinated, uh, they're being dumbed down. And if we don't get that under control, all the other battles are lost. So, you know, pack it up, go home, give in. There's there's no point in continuing to fight. If we're going to give them 80% of our children, it's over. It's just over. It, It may take another 
few years, maybe a generation before it's all over, but it's over. There will be no fixing this if we don't deal with what's happening to our children in the public schools. So that's why I say it's the main issue. And, and you know, when I hear pastors say, well, we're just about the gospel. We're just about the Great Commission. Oh, so you're going to make disciples in other nations and you're going to continue losing 80 percent of the children in your congregation. Yeah. T- tell me about that. Uh, you're going to make disciples of all nations and you're going to lose all your kids. Yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, that is not what God has called us to do when he says make disciples. That begins in your own home and then you work outward from there. So we need to get our priorities straight as Christians, as conservatives, as Americans. And the public education system, I believe, is the biggest threat to the continued existence of our country, our churches, our freedom and our families. Right, because first off, it starts with evolution, that there is no God. So that that kills it right there. Alex, uh, please tell people about a couple of the things you're involved with. Please tell them about the New American Magazine, which is a great magazine, and about uh, Liberty Sentinel Media, Inc., yeah, thank you. So um, uh, Liberty Sentinel Media, that's my uh, company. People can find us at libertysentinel.org. You can sign up for uh, our weekly newsletter. It's free. Uh, just go there and put in your email address. We won't sell it or spam you. Uh, I also am the uh, founder, one of the founders of uh, Public School Exit. I serve as executive director. It's a, you know, it's a volunteer position, but I'm very passionate about it. I'm senior editor at the New American Magazine. I hope people will subscribe. Um, I do a, a daily talk show uh, called The Sentinel Report, a weekly show called Liberty Hour, and uh, people can find all those through my website, libertysentinel.org. They go out through a lot of different platforms. And uh, hey, really appreciate you having me on, Gary. Always a pleasure. And thank you so much for all that you're doing for God and for our country. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for coming on. And I really appreciate it. And, you know, we'll hook up with you again. How can people reach you? Uh, so, uh, again, uh, libertysentinel.org. We've got a contact form there and uh, people can follow me on Twitter. Twitter or fascist book or gab or getter or Frank social or truth social or any of those. Um, and again, thanks for having me on the program, Gary. Really appreciate it. All right. There you have it, everybody. Mr. Alex Newman. I want to thank Alex Newman for a return visit that I knew would be memorable no matter what he talked about. What a wealth of information he has, as well as the desire to share it with the masses. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. If you're listening for the first time, hope you'll check out the podcast archive located on the page. You'll find all episodes there with guests such as Morgan Brittany, Ben Carson, Kevin Sorbo, Carrie Lake, Herschel Walker, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Diamond and Silk, Mike Lindell, Judge Janine Pirro, Carol Swain, Monica Crowley, Nick Searcy, and Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America. America.